I'm Abby. And I'm Allie. And it's About, about time, time for True Crime. Hi. Hey. hey. Hi. How are you? Oh, just great. Oh, I'm so good. You guys, today, I, I'm going to get into it pretty quick, but before we get there, I am doing a spooky case. I am officially dipping my toe into the spook of the season. Spoop. And I have been waiting so freaking patiently. Um, I've been drinking pumpkin spice lattes for weeks now. I'm shameless. I don't even care. And I needed to talk about it. So I'm so glad that we're finally here. Despite the fact that I just had Dr. Pepper all over my face. Um, What did you call it one time? The Pippi? No. Well, apparently that too. No, what was it? It was barbecue what? Barbecue. Dr. Pepper. Oh, barbecue Coke. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, that hits. It is. It's like barbecue soda. But Coke is better than Dr. Pepper. Um, right? Sure. I mean, in no way, not healthier. Here's the thing. Coke and Pepsi just taste like regular cola. And that's what they are. But I like it to have a little flavor. So. Okay. I like the barbecue. (laughs) Sorry, I just had to. Um. Anyway, um, I don't like it as much as the freaking pumpkin spice lattes that are back. That's true. And I'm so excited. The leaves starting to change. My eyes be peeping. Mm-hmm. They're excited. Oh, yes. Um, the forest, when I go for my walks, the leaves on the ground are no longer only that faded brown. Sometimes they're faded brown and orange. Oh, isn't that the best? It's still mostly fucking hot, but... I'm so excited. We are getting into the fall here in New England, which is like the best time to be here, live here, walk around here, drive around here, the second, breathe around here. The first brisk wind blows. The first one. I'm like, ah, the spooky witch in my body has awoken. Like, yes. Awakened. Awakened? Awokened? I don't know. But you guys know. You get it. She's just, she's coming out. She's ready to play. And then like in a few weeks from now, Michael Buble is going to start to defrost. And so we'll like have that transition into like. You'll hear the distant, distant riffs of Mariah Carey. (laughs) Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. She'll start to like start unfreezing. Uh, Mm -hmm. But not yet. Mariah, is that homegirl? Right now? We're doing spooky shit. We're doing spoops. Get in, bitches. We're going spooking. I love that. (laughs) Yes, please. So I am going to get into it pretty quick. I'm just really excited about it, which is why I'm going to do it so fast. Sorry. Hi. Hello. Howdy. Welcome back to your favorite True Current podcast. Hey. Today, I am so incredibly pumped to start the spooky season content. Um, I have been waiting so freaking patiently like i said but i am now coming in swooping with anything and everything spooky and spoopy and heinous so yes today's case is inspired by the scream movie it's teen melodrama it's absolutely terrible it's terrifying it's a needless mess that happened if i did my math correctly 17 years and four days ago the day this comes out Ooh, yeah pumped Oh, wow. Even the timing of it's pretty okay. Yes. So today we're starting our horror in Puticello, Idaho. Could have been Puticello. Ooh, I don't know if we've had an Idaho case before. I like this. But hey, Idaho, we're here. On the timeline, we're zooming into September of 2006. Okay. Puticello 
has about 51,000 people living in it at this time. Okay, pretty big place. Yeah, pretty big. Not huge, but big. And we're going to zoom into four of those 51,000 people. Okay. These are, from what I understand, all 16-year-old high school students. We're going to be talking about Cassie Jo Stoddart, Matt Beckham, Brian Draper, and Tori Adamchick. Okay. So... Before we get there, I want to start by doing the little thing that we always do, which is list our resources at the top. Mm -hmm. Um, I used a morbid case for this week. It was episode 161. I also used the podcast Crime After Crime, and I actually loved that episode. It was so well done. Crime After Crime. Crime I love that. Crime Crime After Crime. (laughs) Okay. I watched a long documentary on YouTube called The Disturbing Case of the Scream Killers, put on Put on by Explore with us. Okay. Which was like three hours long. Oh, I love a good documentary. So good. And all of these were incredibly helpful for different reasons, of course. And I always use as many news feeds as possible. You guys know this. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. This case has so many. This case has so many sources that I literally cannot fit them in the description box below. So when you go down and you see the word sources, it will be hyperlinked to a Google Doc with all of the sources. And you'll be like, oh, okay, that's why. That's a lot of sources. Um, (laughs) I have lost an entire page to the sources for this one. It's true. Anyway, all of that to say, feel free to check out any and all of them down below. I heavy recommend the crime after crime take. But the deep dive from Explore With Us is also really great for video footage. I used a few articles from around the time. Everything that first came out from like the 2006-2007 era I could find was from KSL. And just as a little note for everybody here, all of them do say that like these are outdated. There's been other things added. Don't only use these. So Mm. I don't recommend them for only using them, but they are great in terms of learning about the process of how this all came to unfold yeah and how it felt at that time right not looking back years later so obviously i will only be sharing what's been corroborated by other sources but i wanted you all to know that i do know that i did see that and i'm being cognizant to make sure that we're giving you good research i want that to be (laughs) something we are consistently good at you take such good care of us apples so that being said I don't want anybody to be confused if they're going through the 2006, 2007 articles. And I want to move on to the actual stuff that was in those articles. Well, then let's move on to the actual stuff that was in those articles. Sure. Awesome. Perfect. This is also a good time to do an overall trigger warning for this case. I actually know this one. Not every single intricate detail, but I do know what it is that we're talking about today. Yes. And this one makes my blood boil and you feel awful and you have a stomachache afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um. This time of year, I think, is the time it would pack the most of a punch because it is it's seasonal. Right. It really is like this. is This is what was going on at that time. This was the mood. This was the feeling. This is what people were doing. Well, and also, you know, just in general, it's a spooky, spooky, creepy, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it also fucking sucks. Like every part of this sucks. And every time you put yourself in another person's shoes, it sucks more. So I'm very sorry to do this to you all. I think it is an important one to cover again. And I also think 
that it's the right time to do it. You know, you got to do them justice. And sometimes that has to do with uh, the time of year you should in the spook, you mm-hmm. know. So this case will outline the depth of premeditation, the darkness of being 16 and confession after confession caught on tape. There will be a description of a murder scene that is pretty gory, as well as a touch on suicide at the end. Take care of yourselves. Do what you got to do. The ATFTC fam wouldn't be the same without you. And if it helps your mental health to skip this one, just know we never take it personally. You got to do you, boo. So to finish off this little introduction to today's case, I also just wanted to mention that all of the sources I used were incredibly helpful in how I wanted to draft today's story. Actually, I've rewritten this two or three times trying to figure out how I really wanted to lay it all out there. And I've seen different things from different people. Morbid's take on it was let's talk about the offenders first. Then crime after crime was like, let's talk about the victim first. And that Explore With Us documentary has sort of like a we're picking up at the police investigation videos. How did we get here kind of thing. Today. I'd really like to share this story like a movie. Okay. I know what you're saying. That doesn't make sense. This is an audio format. What the fuck? Hang in there. Just hang in there with me, okay? Um, it seems that this was entirely, if not mostly, inspired by a movie. It seems that our offenders here wanted to be dramatic-ass little actors, so we'll give them that. Except the only thing that they haven't realized yet is that this is not really... A horror film. Um, it's just a fucking tragedy. And the only little twist of comedy we get at the end is knowing that the offenders are rotting with a capital R. That is the best part. So let's set the scene. Oh, please do. It's September in 2006 in Idaho. September 24th, 2006 in Idaho, to be specific. Okay. Um, it's a perfect fall day in Poticello. It was fall to a T. It was literally a high of 64, a low of 28, and the skies were blue all around. I imagine it's the kind of day that you would probably stack cami after cami after cami and then maybe like an Abercrombie or like a limited two sweater on top of all of that. Okay. Do you have the um, collared Hollister shirt under it? Probably. Okay. And also those fuzzy Ugg boots you just got. Yeah. Um, maybe some... Like those Boston Birkenstocks that were really popular at the early 2000s. Um, or like some high top Converse to school. At least you would if it wasn't a Sunday because September 24th, 2006 was a Sunday. Okay. So um, you are probably still rocking some concealer lips though. You know? Oh, God. So we're going to pan in on a tragic tale. There's some spooky piano music playing as a family returns from vacation. They step out the car exhausted. A little leaf comes swirling down on the driveway. And you know that thing you do when you get back from vacation. And it's the back from vacation strategy where you sprint in to pee and then immediately sprint out to get all of your stuff so you don't have to go outside again. Correct. Yeah. Well, somewhere, either in the pee run or the bag run, um, this family enters and their 13-year-old child ran in to see her 16-year-old cousin, Cassie Jo Stoddart, dead in a pool of her own blood. Oh, my God. Drama. Drama, little mama. A 13-year-old saw that? Yep. She was the first one. Oh. Cassie was wearing yellow pajama pants with stars all over them. Mm. A white cami tank top. 
and her arms were raised over her head while her body sat in a pool of her own blood with over 30 lacerations on her body. Oh, my God. So that's what this family walked in on. Happy back from vacation. Mm. But we're going to back it up here. I'll do another. How do we get here? You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet you're wondering how we got here. <laughs> I know I was. So let's start at the top. Who are our players? Let's start with Cassie. Let's start with Cassie. Cassie it was an incredible girl. She really, really was. Only 16. She was 16, but she was like the ideal fucking teenager. Like when I was 16, I was a dick. <laughs> she was like the sweetest human. Um, seriously. Like she had the last girl in a horror film kind of vibes. No joke. Like she was beautiful. She was pure. She had her shit together. She knew what she needed to do. Mm-hmm. And she did it. But she was also incredibly well-rounded. She had straight A's. She played soccer after school and just in general loved life. I believe Cassie was a Mormon. If she wasn't, at least her boyfriend was. And it seems like there was kind of a population of Mormons in Idaho around this, these parts in the early 2000s. Um, but I'm not sure if that's because they border Utah and Utah is pretty heavily Mormon historically. Or at least has been a popular spot for a lot of Mormon people to go to. And so I'm, I'm curious, but I, I don't know for sure. It certainly was a part of her cultural upbringing, if not in her family. Cassie was also an incredibly good kid. She had a boyfriend. His name was Matt Beckham. And they've been dating for like five months. Okay. Which in high school is forever. Oh, my God. It's like, like over a semester. They're basically engaged. Yeah. So oh one God. of the babies coming. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Um, but also they were both good kids. I mean, Cassie had been asked to house it for her aunt and uncle. They had some pets and they were hoping that Cassie could watch them while they were away. Cassie was working really hard to save money for her new car. And it seemed like a lot of people were willing to pay a little for odds and ends to help her meet that goal, which was super cool. And good because you know that she was the kind of kid they trusted to watch their home. Yeah. And for her, I mean, for me at 16... I get a house to myself and I get to hang out with puppies and kitties. Are you kidding me? Yes. Like I'm there. Plus, I mean, it was literally a big house. I think it was four bedrooms and they had two dogs and three cats. Oh, heaven. And you're in high school and you're like, you mean I get to like stay here and play house like I'm an adult? Yeah, I get to stay up late. in the fridge and like, you know, eat a key lime pie in the recliner that I'm not normally allowed to. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I've ever done that before, Mm-mm. but... um. You know, just it's exciting. But the kind of good kid that Cassie was is when her family was like, hey, we're, we're going out of town. Will you watch it? She was like, absolutely. Um, I don't want to get in trouble and I only want to do what you're comfortable with. Is it OK if my boyfriend Matt comes over to watch a few movies? And they were like, oh, sweetheart, of course. She didn't even sneak him over. No, it was just like, hey, can he come watch some movies? I don't want to be alone alone the whole weekend. And they were like, yeah, of course. Mm. Like she's that... She's just that good of a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also she was artistic and she loved acting and drawing and music. And she even had siblings that like they were close in age. Her younger brother was like a year and a half behind her. But he described her as kind and smart and headstrong. And even though she was just a year and a half older than he was, he really looked up to her like a role model. Mm. Like she's a good kid. Now, 
I'm not sure of the story behind this, and it frankly doesn't matter too much for our purposes here, but it should be known that somewhere along the lines, it started to sound like that Cassie was really raised living with her grandparents. Okay. Um, you know, there are so many reasons why a child could be taken from a home or have guardianship placed somewhere else if they weren't taken. And so I'm not going to assume or judge what could have happened. That's not why we're here today. But just so you aren't surprised that when Cassie was found dead in a pool of her own blood, no screaming mother came out of the woodwork looking to wreck someone's life. Um, and I don't know what happened. That's not a judgment call. It's just with a lot of victims that are young, that is a huge part of the story. Well, because a surviving parent or parents are more victims of the same crime. But we don't hear that here. It's not to say it didn't happen. It's just to say it certainly wasn't publicized. Okay. So, um, nonetheless, and frankly, last, because I think it should be mentioned last, Cassie is beautiful. I know I tend to start with that, mostly because, you know, you want to give a visual to people of what you're talking about. Yeah, and then you describe Those go hand in hand. Of course. Um, And I don't want to say it because it's not true. Cassie is beautiful. She has this long brown hair. Um, her eyes are like this really cool almond shape. They kind of come to a point, um, at the very end of them, but they're so defined. It, she's just beautiful, but she also has a great smile and she's got like this little light in her eyes and she's got like the cutest little button nose. I swear. It's just like the perfect nose. She is beautiful. Wow. And so you know, I know that for Cassie, even though she is the spitting image of a perfect 16-year-old and she is beautiful, how she looks will always be the least interesting thing about her. But it is worth knowing that she was a beautiful, great light that was taken way too early. And for like literally nothing. It's I'm looking disgusting. at photos of her and... I believe it's a school photo. Mm-hmm. She's got like this green tank top on with mm-hmm. this like, which I have to assume it's like a Hollister zip up over yeah. it. But she's got that, you know that it's almost like seashell. It's like white. Those necklaces that people wore, they were like normally yes. choker like, but they were like little stones or not yeah. beads, but and they were it was always like a white that was very like early mid 2000s kind of style like I think every girl like had that necklace the florida s- souvenir yep. you know like the shell choker yes yeah and i don't know you can see it she had her hair straightened she had just the, she was the whole fucking package like not only did she have brains she had creative expression she was beautiful she had values she had goals and she was peak 16. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, this is no disrespect to any of the victims in any of our cases. I think Cassie was an amazing human. And I'm sure that you know the terms deify and vilify. But just in case you didn't, it's either to treat someone like a god to deify or to vilify, treat them like a villain. And I never intend to deify victims. They are whole complex people who deserve to be treated as such. But with Cassie, it's incredible it's incredibly difficult to add in places that she wasn't excelling, achieving, and generally being a kind, decent human being. Mm-hmm. Not only because she was all of those things, but also because she was 16. She didn't even have enough time to make mistakes. I know. Not the big ones, you know? And so 
I know it sounds like I'm deifying her. And in a way, I kind of am. But only because there's absolutely nothing to say the contrary. Anywhere. And I have, I've been in this. Like, anywhere. Hmm. So, now, in keeping with my movie theme, imagine with me that we're going back to high school. It's like a high school montage. Maybe it's like the kind of video that they put together for like a senior memory night. But, um... Crazy by Charles Barkley or Sexy Back by JT or even like Promiscuous by Nelly could have been playing. And the camera's just like panning down all of the hallways and there's lockers and high school halls full of kids being kids, drinking milk cartons in the lunchroom, doodling on notebooks, throwing spitballs at each other and reading notes left in their bright blue lockers. Hmm. Maybe some kids are even trying to do homework before class or prep for a test. Or even just reapply their lip gloss in a mirror really quick. (laughs) As we pan around, we see kids from every stereotype you can possibly imagine. There are kids who love band. There are jocks. There are kids being emo. There are people who are super high, strong, anxious, and are convinced they'll be homeless if they don't get a 98 on every test they took at me. And there are cheerleaders sending snide looks to other girls who are good at sports or math or art. There were jocks fooling around, pushing weaker kids against lockers or bullies trying to sell weed for some weekend cash. And always, always, always someone holding a random tiny ass camera to record and take pictures of everything since they were just becoming small and accessible around this time. But in our scene, in our movie montage, we've also passed four very special students. Cassie Jo Stoddart holding hands with her boyfriend, Matt Beckham, chatting about how Cassie's aunt and uncle were going to be out of town this weekend, and she's watching the house. Maybe he could come over and keep her company. And we're also passing Brian Draper and Tori Adamchick, sitting in the library, chatting and giggling quietly while writing stuff down and daydreaming. Seemingly fine. Mm. Normal high school. Let's talk about Matt, because Matt was a good kid, too. Despite being 16 with ample time on their hands, Matt was pumped to go see Cassie. And I believe Matt was the same age as Cassie. If he was older or younger, it wasn't enough to put them outside of the same school year. But I do believe they were both juniors here. And while I don't know a ton about Matt, here's what I do know from the events that have been recorded. He cared about Cassie a lot. He was a good kid. He asks his mom for permission before he asks for forgiveness. And he follows her rules even when he doesn't want to do them. <laughs> He's also a kind guy. He, he was just nice to everyone. Which is why it made perfect sense that he was dating Cassie, an incredibly kind girl who was also nice to everyone. In fact, she was so kind that she put up with friends of his that she wasn't really a super big fan of. And Matt was so nice that he hung out with a lot of people, even people that he might not have chosen if they weren't in high school. You know what I mean? But he would hang out with people, too, just to be a kind face and a good friend. But Matt was also so nice that he kind of uh, ignored when people were like really annoying. Which I've been I grew up in the Midwest. I was both really annoying and ignored really annoying. So I get it. But these were not necessarily people that Cassie were pump- was pumped to hang out with, mm. you know? And these two guys were Brian Draper and Tori Adamchick. And yes, Tori was a guy. 
But here's the sitch. I'm not sure that Matt was really close with either of them. It does seem like he could have been, but regardless, they were around. And whenever they were, Cassie at least, but it seemed like Cassie and Matt were always just sort of kindly tolerating them. We all know those people, you know? Yeah, and they were probably too nice to say, like, leave or no, you can't come hang out or whatever, yeah. but probably not their pick of people to hang out with. Yeah, it, that's that's the vibe that I've gotten, at least. So let's talk about them. Brian Draper, like all four of them, was also a junior in high school and recently had moved from Utah. Brian had dark brown hair and a long, angular face, unkempt eyebrows, no judgment, same. Um, a sharp jawline, and a teeny tiny little nose. Just a teeny <laughs> tiny little one. Smack there in the middle of his face. Not taking up a whole lot of it. Um, <laughs> it's just cute. It's like a little teeny tiny nose. But he also does look like he has the John Mulaney haircut a little though. Ooh. So like all of that together, it's like Heath Ledger meets John Mulaney meets like an infant's nose. I got it. And that's Brian Draper. Okay. So... Brian was kind of an outcast, but I think that's low-key to be expected when you're coming from a new high school or when you're going to a new high school halfway through, you know? Everybody's already got friends. Yeah, the groups are made. Right. So it's hard. I get that. But it was definitely tough for him to make friends. It's hard to feel like you fit in even with the people that you might fit in with in high school, let alone when you have to do that with strangers that you're not even really sure where they're at about you, Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, high school does matter. Normally, I will always joke because I hated high school. Um, Less than middle school, certainly. Uh, But I still hated high school. And I thought everyone sucked. I sucked. I thought everyone died and was sad. And that was it. Like, that's life. That's all it was. High school sucked. Um, And did I qualify for chronic depression? Probably. Uh, But I hit it because high school is a feeding ground of a social hierarchy. And in the Midwest, depression is not a popularity shtick. So um, I totally understand how he might not be at his best mentally and not really feel like he can share that with a lot of people. It is still your responsibility to fucking deal with it. But I get it. I can empathize. But also Brian wasn't popular regardless of what he did. Um, I. He strikes me as the kind that, like, you wouldn't really want to be his science partner because he might, like, smell a little bit. And he'd um, probably leave all the work for you to do. And also, like, torture weird bugs in front of you. Ugh. Like, that's okay, the kind so of vibe that, I get. Okay. I, I don't have any, you know, official statement saying that he did that. But that's the vibe that I get from yeah, him. Yeah, no, that, that kind of checks out. Um, and according to the Idaho State Journal, Brian described himself as happy and harmless before he met Tori Adamchick the summer before. Mm-hmm. Brian also played the drums and loved horror movies. He called himself a little movie critic, which is cute because he's like 16. But uh, this also didn't seem right. And we'll get into more of that soon. But I want us to meet Tori first. Tori Adamchick is similar to Brian Draper in a lot of ways. Tori had a rounder face, lighter brown and more of like a sandy blonde hair kind of vibe. But Tori looks like the kids at my high school who used to be really into Tony Hawk and skateboarding or like BMX biking. Um, Always wore like athletic shorts, even in the winter. And like 
maybe picked on some kids for not feeling great, but also got picked on himself a lot. Mm. Kind of one of those in the middle bullies, you know? Yeah. Um, and while I can't confirm how true this is for Tori, I just, I feel like you all understand the vibe I'm putting out there, you know? Tori was always described genuinely as kind of immature. What I also think is a good thing to remember is he is 16. He is immature, you know? He is by definition immature. Yes. But Tori was also meek and mild at first. When looking back in time and you hear his voice, which you can hear his voice fucking anywhere you want. This is not to be mean. I've had speech therapy problems, so it's just game recognizing game. But his voice is such a stereotypical nerd voice. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's high pitched. It's whiny and it's nasally. And it's just not great. But also, you know, maybe that would have changed. I know that happens to boys. So hopefully that's all it was. But it was like, oh, okay. So we're going to go back to Cassie laying in her aunt and uncle's living room floor. When Cassie's aunt and uncle, Allison and Frank Contreras, got home with their daughter, Kelsey, they called the police pretty much immediately. There is a 911 call, and it's in the first source that I've listed if you are interested in watching it. That also has a lot of the video footage we'll be talking about later. Um, But it is, wow, it drained the soul from my body to listen to that 911 call. That was a very difficult one to listen to, so I'm not going to make you listen to it, but you have it there. If you want it, I would just tread cautiously. Nonetheless, the Contreras family did call 911 immediately, and you can hear and feel the shock and terror as Cassie's aunt, Allison Contreras, said that Cassie was lying and not moving in blood, and she was cold. It's the sound of big fat trauma that may never get resolved in her soul. And you can literally hear her start to fade on the phone call. Mm. It is awful. And this is the aunt calling, not yes. the 13 year old. Correct. Okay. Hopefully they kept the kid away. I think that was like a let's secure this scene and make sure that you our 13 year old aren't here for this any more than you have to be. Because she's the one that walked in on it first. Right. Maybe they could sweep her out of there and dad can sit with her or something. Hopefully. Okay. But because they did call right when they got home, it also meant it didn't take very long for an ambulance and police to show up. You know, I know that she is dead. I know that she was dead when they arrived home, but she did still have to be declared deceased. Ambulances do have a requirement to go make sure that they have done all they can do. So they had to show up and say, yep, nope, this is not something that Cassie can come back from, you know, Mm. which sucks. But also it meant the police were there pretty fucking fast, which is also great because we get into the investigation really fucking fast. Okay. So we'll rewind back to Friday, September 22nd. Remember, this is the 24th. It's Sunday. We're going back to the 22nd. It's a Friday night. Cassie's like, I'm going to watch the house. I'm going to get some money for my car and I'm going to have my boyfriend watch some movies while we do it. Ooh. Not like do it, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a great weekend for her. Uh, so Cassie gets home from school. It's at her aunt and uncle's house in Whispering Cliffs Drive. Oh, my God. That Isn't- sounds like the most Halloween-y. Right? Whispering Cliffs Drive. Are you kidding me? Not even. And if this were a movie, a camera might pan across the beautiful home before entering through the front door. Now, there were two doors in the front. So let me explain. 
The house was two stories with a huge set of stairs and a long porch leading up to the second floor, which seemed like it was the main floor of the house. Mm-hmm. Like you'd enter on the second floor. And then I don't know if it was the way that the foundation was laid, but basically that first floor door was from the basement. Okay. Is how it seemed. Mm-hmm. So the camera flies up over the stairs and you enter the home and it's beautiful. It's huge. There's four rooms. There's two dogs. There's three cats. <laughs> And heaven. Cassie, heaven, exactly. All Cassie the good boys and girls throws her backpack on the porch like it's the freaking weekend, baby. And then she's like, "Hey, Matt, do you want to come over?" You know. Yeah. Well, she probably first feeds the dogs and walks the dogs and feeds the cats and empties the litter box because she's that kind of responsible kid. But then she's probably like, "Do you want to come over and watch movies?" Yeah, I did all the dishes and everything's all clean and the. The poopers and kitty cats are all happy. And I lit a candle and I feel so adult, you know? Yeah. And so Cassie was house sitting and pet sitting. But uh, after she got home, Matt comes over like around 6 p.m. Okay. You know what I mean? Maybe enough time for her to like throw a frozen pizza in the oven. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But mm-hmm. um, enough time for her to like get cute after school and be excited that her boyfriend's coming over and figure out what they're gonna watch like starting to get dark yeah yeah and it i think it's adorable you know what i mean they're just like playing house with animals and like watching tv like an old married couple but the the stakes not high right yep and that is my ideal date at least and i think it's adorable for two 16 year olds to do i really do i think it's cute however this didn't last super long because it seemed like earlier in the day, uh, it might have been Matt and Cassie, but it might have just been Matt. And he was like, hey, Cassie's going to be there. We might just want to like hang out if you guys want to come over. And it sounded like she was OK with it. So I don't think he did it like behind her back or anything. Mm-hmm. But at like 630 or 7, Tori and Brian came over. Um, Cassie seemed like a little bit annoyed, but like she had always really just been tolerating them. And she was just too nice to say anything. <laughs> hmm. And she was nice as pie. I mean, truly, if two people that I thought were super annoying barged into my family's house that I was watching when I asked specifically for my boyfriend to come over and no one else to come over, I'd be fucking losing it. She is a very nice person. That's all I have. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, the boys got a tour. I don't know if Tori and Brian wanted that, but it seemed to work out in their favor because this is a huge house. Huge. It had like four bedrooms, three bathrooms, lots of land. And there was also just a bunch of different cool things. You know, it was somebody else's house and someone with, it seemed like, a decent amount of money living out in Idaho. And when you're 16, having a house to yourself with like no adults being around is usually pretty rare. And for these guys, it sounds like it probably is. So it's like kind of cool and exciting to just play house play adult you know kind of snoop a little you know what i mean you kind of feel like you're seeing things you shouldn't even if they're out because it's not a part of a house you would normally go to Mm -hmm. so they're like going down to the basement they played with what seemed like to be like a weight room in there which is kind of funny to me because i'm like i don't think either of these boys could lift weights but okay (laughs) but all right No offense, I can't lift them. But I was like, what are y'all doing playing in there? Like, what are you playing with? Is it the two pound? Right. Seriously. So anyway, uh, they were like, you know what? This is really fun, but we do want to watch a movie. So they go upstairs and they eventually decide to watch Kill Bill 2. And we're going to talk about movies now. Just for like a short little snippet. 
Movies are an incredibly big part of this case. Yes, sure, Kill Bill 2 is the movie that the four teenagers were watching when they started the night of Friday, September 22nd, 2006. But the real movie we need to talk about here is a killer franchise. And I do mean it's killer. It's the Scream franchise. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Scream is a horror film that's also sort of comedy. But what really got people about it is it's like the first horror film to be kind of meta and make fun of itself. So at the same time, Scream could be a horror film and also continuously make fun of horror films. And that was not like anything other people had really seen yet. And so it was incredibly popular. Scream, according to the Wikipedia shortened summary, is about killers who dress up like Ghostface to stalk and kill victims, almost always notably about a character named Sidney Prescott. And she's either the primary or like secondary target of whatever's happening. Um, Scream has funny moments like Ghostface calling to flirt with girls before he murders them or read the magnet on my fridge with Ghostface on the phone saying nothing much chilling killing lol (laughs) (laughs) but both tori and brian were convinced at their ripe old age of 16 that they were the end-all be-all movie critics and that scream was the best movie of all time this also feels really weird because it feels like it's coming full circle because when we covered danny rolling the writer for scream looked at him as like this knife wielding man in a mask who broke into homes as the inspiration yes. for the Scream movie, which we've covered. And now here's one of the cases we've covered impacting another one. of the. It's just interesting. It's very meta of us. Mm. Um, but also what's interesting about this one that I really like is that these boys, they're, a, a, they're just so fucking dumb. They're, oh God, they're so dumb. Bless up. They're so dumb. <laughs> but like, I think it's a really interesting one Because while they both really loved Scream and they both really loved movies, only one of them was obsessed with Scream. Okay. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute, but just keep that in mind. Like, this is a heavy influence on it. This is certainly not the reason it happened. I think it's always important to remind people that there is a separation between art and life and that just because art represents life represents art doesn't mean that a movie made these children go berserk these children had it in them and a movie inspired them that's not the same so anyway all of that to say uh because these two were like so into movies uh you can tell when they talk about horror films and like slasher flicks and other perturbing media as they like um they get really excited and honestly like almost pompous in the way that they talk about it. Like they sort of like sit up a little bit taller and like talk a little bit, you know? Oh, I hate that. And so the two go back and forth in ridiculously minuscule notions. I mean, they're so fucking small. Um, But both seem to enjoy these movies and like that the other one will do it with them. But to be honest, with all of their interactions, I don't even know if they like each other. Hmm. I mean, we've all had friends in high school that we didn't really like, but we were friends with because we were friends in high school. Because it was based on proximity, not choice. Right. Um, I think this was one of those. They just happened to be weird enough together and both really like this weird thing that they got together. That they got along. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think that they would have hung out if there were other 
suitable options for that role in their life, you know? Sure. Now, um, also because they're like super into movies and they've like seen them all like an hour into Kill Bill 2, they got really bored and they decided to fuck right off, which was great. Um, they were like, you know, what? we're bored and we want something better and fresher and newer. So we're just going to go see a movie at the movie theater. Okay. Plus, it sounds like they probably felt like they were intruding on Matt and Cassie, which they were. So, so they, off you fuck. They cock blocked and then they were like, you know what? You guys aren't enough fun for us. We're going to go have fun elsewhere. At another movie. Okay. But sure. Okay. And this one was free, but we're going to go pay for it up the road. We prefer that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, before they left, Matt reminded Tori that he'd still need a ride home later that night. Uh, Matt wasn't allowed to sleep over with Cassie um, for obvious reasons, because they're both 16 and they have parents, period. But Tori was going to be Matt's ride. And Tori was like, yeah, dude, don't worry. Enjoy your time with Cassie. We'll be back right after the movie and then I'll take you home. Not a big deal. Makes sense. Sure. So after the two left, like a few minutes after the few the two left, the power cut out. Oh, that's terrifying. The dogs started getting really weird and anxious and like wired. You know when dogs like stare into the abyss of a basement door? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Both of them were doing that. And so both Cassie and Matt were like really freaked out naturally. that for sure. And if this was a movie, maybe Matt would take a baseball bat outside and be like, who is that? Who's there? And check it out. But because it's not a movie and it's real life and these are two people, uh, they stayed freaked the fuck out but upstairs watching tv together well they probably weren't watching tv the power's out but you know what i mean they were upstairs together yeah and they were like we're just gonna stay here yeah (laughs) which is right i would do the same thing and a little spoopy and i think the power was out for a while but it did come back on you know Mm. um and around that time matt called his mom basically to be like hey pretty sure you're gonna say no but can i please stay here like it's really freaking her out and she's alone and the power's out and i don't want her to be alone overnight and his mom was like fat chance no you're coming home nice try yeah good mom um which also was like 16 year olds find stupid shit to do together when the power is on we don't really need to know what you'd find to do without it on Mm -hmm. and i get that but what was nice is also around this time matt gave tori a call to be like hey bro don't need a ride anymore and this asshole in the fucking movie theater picks up and is like, okay. Okay. All right. But here's where it starts to hurt. And like my, my tummy starts to clench. Matt was trying to do the right thing. But so was Cassie. And so even though Matt called his mom and even though Matt was following his mom's rules and went home, Matt's mom was like, Cassie, sweetheart, you can come home with us. You don't have to stay in this big scary house alone. And Cassie was like, but I'm getting paid to house sit and dog sit or like and pet sit. And I don't want to leave the pets alone because it's scary. So I'll stay with the pets. Oh, that'd be me. Yeah. And so. God, I just wish she didn't. I wish she didn't. But she was brave and she stayed the night. Mm. And in all reality, Cassie back. Cassie got back in, sat down and endured. I mean, what else is there to do? She just purely endured. And the power did go out again soon thereafter Matt and his mom left. 
And now Cassie's probably like really stressed because she is alone. It is just her and the pets. And it's creepy being a big, scary house. And when the pets start to act funky, like something's going on. Right. You feel like they can like see or hear things you can't. And you're like, oh, my God, what is it? What do you see? What what do you what are you antsy about? Why are you anxious? What's right. going on now? I'm anxious. And that's just the cycle of we're amping each other up. And when Matt was there, it was a little it was a little less freaky. Like they could kind of write it off as like, oh, it's the first night their parents are away. Like we're two, you know, not strangers, but not family members in the house. The pets mm. might be a little uneasy. Yeah. But then he leaves and they keep barking and they keep staring at the basement and the power's on and the power's off and the power's on and the power's off again. And it's just, ugh, gives me the heebie-jeebies. So um, here's the trigger warning for the murder description. Just, you know, you need to skip past it, skip past it. It is terrifying. So Cassie is alone in this living room, minding her damn fucking business and probably trying not to panic. She might be petting a pet, trying to, like, calm them down, be like, shh, it's okay, baby, like, it's okay. Yeah. But it wasn't long until she heard two large sets of footprints stomping up the basement stairs. Oh, my God. Can you fucking imagine that? Like, not just like a boom, 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 but like two sets of that stomping up the stairs. No, 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 no. I have goosebumps. No, 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 no. But they are slow and droning and terrifying. Nope. And it wasn't until the basement door opened that she saw that it was two individuals dressed in all black with a ghost face-esque mask on. Except instead of the traditional scream mask, scream mask, it was a white mask with what appeared to be blood coming out of any and all crevices on the face. The eyes, the nose, the mouth, blood pouring out of it. And just two men dressed entirely in black. Oh my God, stop. And they had knives. Stop it. And now I'd like to imagine that Cassie didn't see any of this. That one second it was a little spooky and the next not. But Cassie probably did see all of it. And Cassie probably saw it a lot. Because Cassie was stabbed roughly 30 times. And they were mostly shallow, but up to 12 of those could have been fatal. And unfortunately for her, they were. 30 stabs is a long time. And hopefully I can cross my fingers and say my fucking prayers that... One of those fatal stab wounds was the first one, but it doesn't fucking matter. She shouldn't have had to deal with that at all. And that is a terrifying way to go. I think when you're home alone and you hear noises anyway, Mm -hmm. there's an element of like, okay, don't freak out. Like, it's okay. Like, maybe maybe it's your fridge making a weird noise. Maybe something like in the cellar. Who knows? Like, what? Or the radiator doing a thing, you know? Yeah. Like when Buddy and Elf called, (laughs) it's like it's making it... Yeah. No, and it's like, yep, that's the heat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like those kinds of things that, like, when you're in a group or there's other people home, you don't even hear it. But when you're alone, yes, you are hyper aware and hyper sensitive to all of those things. And then you just keep telling yourself, just write it off. It's not real. It's not worth a call to nine one one. It's right. not whatever, whatever. Like you talk yourself out of it instead of talking yourself into it. And then by the time you hear the warning signs that oh, this isn't a joke or it isn't nothing it's far too late yes absolutely terrifying and i just i sit in her shoes and i can't imagine being 16 in a strange home 
not like she wasn't familiar with it, but it's not hers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're in somebody else's house. Yeah. You're watching their pets, trying to keep them safe. You're probably panicking because you're like, oh, my God, they're going to be mad at me if the dog runs out and I can't stop the door from like shutting in time. And now you've got scary, terrifying noises right after the only person that made you feel safe left. Mm. And then there's men with bloody masks on and knives. And that's it. Nope. That's her last night. Nope. Gotta go. So Cassie ended up succumbing to her wounds, dying on September 22nd, 2006, as a beautiful forever 16-year-old girl. She is deeply missed. This is deeply fucked up. I also want to mention here, Matt was freaked out because I don't know if you guys remember, but I said she was found on the 24th. So there was an entire day between her being found and Matt knowing what happened. And he's probably calling her. He called her so many times. She never picked up or answered. And then eventually her voicemail box gets full, right? Because he keep leaving them. And then he was like, mom, can you take me? Can I take the car? He was 16. So I don't know if he needed like a chaperone to drive with him or if he just needed a car and he couldn't get it last minute. You know what I mean? Um, And when that happened and his mom was like, no, I can't. You can't. Sorry. He tried his friends. So he called Tori and he was like, hey, can I please have a ride to go see Cassie? She's not picking up her phone. I'm just worried. And Tori was like, I'm sorry, dude. I, I don't have enough gas to get there. Which you're 16. You know what I mean? That's kind of normal for a 16 year old. And so Matt spent the day at least with Tori, if not Tori and Brian, all of Saturday while he was just anxious and waiting. At the top here, I'd like to say that it sounds like there were two detectives on this case. Detective Thomas and Gansky. However, I don't know who did what, so I'll likely refer to them as the detectives, police or investigators. I could not get a first name, even though I did find these specific officers from the case texts from both of these criminal cases. Mm -hmm. So not entirely sure, but shout out to them because they're great in the whole thing. Now, I want to talk about the suspects that the police had that first day, September 24th. First, obviously, the police talked to Matt. He was there with her. He's a boyfriend. He's a great place to start, an awful place to stop. But lucky for us, nobody stopped here (laughs) because Matt was spoken to. And he obviously had an alibi. His mom came and grabbed him. Um, You know, I'm sure there's CCTV that caught them somewhere driving home. And then he was home with all of his family to vouch for that. Right. Uh, He also was a reliable storyteller. And it worked out really great because Matt was also able to give them a little rundown of you know, here are the people that we know. Here's what we did for the night. And so naturally you move on to the next two, which were Brian and Tori. Um, but Brian and Tori are an interesting pairing, to say the least. I want to be clear that this happened over a series of interviews, at least three over four days. But this all started the same day she was found. Mm. So the boys were interviewed and this story comes out. They told the police that earlier this day, Matt had asked Brian and Tori to come hang out at Cassie's that night. They told everyone they could that it was a party. These oh, two God. went around school and told fucking everyone they could that it was a party. Um, and then they showed up at the house and nobody fucking came because nobody gave a shit about what these two dickwads had to say. Wah, wah. Yikes. But... They also then found out that it was 
just four of them at Cassie's place because it was just Cassie, Matt, Brian, and Tori. Because it wasn't a party because she's house-sitting. And Correct. she's a good kid and she's not throwing a party while she's house-sitting. And these two fucking tried to screw it up, but they can't even do that. So, sorry. <sighs> um. Anyway, they say that it was the four of them and then they were like, oh, this is lame. But they just hung out with their friends because they're friends. And I guess they decided to settle in and watch Kill Bill 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and after an hour of watching, the boys got tired of it and bored and wanted to go to a real theater. Okay. Then the police asked questions about the theater. The theater. Now, they are being interviewed separately, but their stories are very similar. So if I need to mention a difference, I will for each of them specifically. But this is all pretty much fucking word for word from each of them. Okay. So it seemed a little bit off to the detectives when neither of the boys could, A, remember the premise of the movie they went to go see, (laughs) uh, B, what side of the theater the movie was on, um, C, who was in the movie, if there were any actors they might have known, D, who sold them a ticket, if it was a male or a female, or E, um, any of the character names or any plot. Sounds like they did not actually go to the movie. Or F, what any of the previews were about. Yikes. Sounds fishy to me, too. Mm-hmm. Now, Brian starts talking. So Brian and Tori, obviously, both interviewed the first same day, but separately. Brian's second interview happened afterwards on the 26th. So like Tuesday. Brian was read his Miranda rights and his parents were around but weren't in the room with him. And when he still couldn't produce details about the movie that they went to see, one of the detectives was like, yeah, it's fucking time to tell us the truth. Like, what happened? We don't believe this. Yeah. What's going on? And Brian just said, fine, okay, we weren't at the movies, but we like didn't want to get in trouble um, because we were kind of doing something bad, but we, we weren't there. Okay. And they were like, what were you doing that was bad? And he was like, well, we were like robbing cars. <laughs> okay. We were like going into cars and stealing things. Okay. But then when Brian also couldn't produce anything that he stole from a car or a description of a car that they broke into or how they broke into the car <laughs> or any of that, they were like, this also seems fucking stupid. But sounds like it's a lie. Even though nobody really believed him, he left with his parents. He wasn't under arrest. And Brian's room also got searched with consent from his parents. So Brian goes home with mom and dad. And then the police are like, you know what? We want to search your room. And the parents are like, yeah, go for it. Whatever. Search his room. Now. (laughs) Uh, They did find a knife sheath that was, quote unquote, must have been one of Brian's friends because he didn't know what it was okay, or anything about it. And anyways, the next day, Brian had his third interview. So in his third interview, though, Brian fucking broke, which Good. is there's so much video of all this. And it's just so fucking satisfying to Tell see. Me. He's so anxious. He's like walking back and forth. At one point, he blows his nose, which don't get me wrong. I blow my nose a lot. But he uses his whole ass body. He like throws his back into it. And I'm like, you good, bro? And then he's like pacing and he's like air drumming. And I'm like, take, oh, take you're, that down like 40 percent. You're so anxious. OK. okay. <laughs> yeah. Split the difference there, bud. And he was like, OK, OK. So 
We were just going to scare the girl. Mm-kay. While we were there, we unlocked the basement door and that way we could get in. But we never meant to hurt them. We were just going to like come up with masks and they would have been like, what? What's this? Except Brian says that when they got upstairs just to scare Cassie, um, Tori went nutso and he just started stabbing her. Isn't that scary? Uh, yep. Should have opened with that one. So scary because I guess Tori also threatened to kill him. Yeah. Okay. If he told the police the truth, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, so that's why Brian wasn't honest about what happened. At first, it was Tori's fault still. But now that Brian was being honest, he decided he really wanted to be generous and he was going to show the police where Tori was hiding all of the weapons and evidence in this case. Does he want a lollipop for that? Dude, this is a murder of a child. He's generous, Allie. He's like, here you go. Here's a glove. What do I get for this? Please. I hate hate him. So we've got that going for us. So then at Brian's fourth and last interview, he was held overnight um, because he was officially under fucking arrest. You know. Makes sense. Um, But his fourth interview... The detectives were like, listen, buddy, we know Tori's just like, hmm, boo-hoo, oh, so scary. Uh, did you maybe just like, just like even a little bit, like stab Cassie just to get like Tori off your back? And Brian nods. Okay. And then he's like, I stabbed her in the leg. And then he said, that won't do. She has to die. I'm glad that they played into it a bit and were like, okay, but I mean, did you to appease him? Yeah. So Brian's saying that, well, Tori's just making me do this so that, like, I'm in it just as much as he is. So I only stabbed her because Tori made me do it. Right. And I'm so scared. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm, okay. So then Brian gets scared because he's like, and I, oop, I shared too much. Whoops. And he was like, actually, I do want my parents. I don't want to do this interview. Okay. Because he's an itty bitty witty baby. Mm-hmm. Asshole. Um. it's almost like he's scared it's almost like i wonder how cassie felt wow wow curious huh it's almost as if the one in the blood soaked mask was scared i wonder what it was like to look at that but anyway all of this had pretty much happened at least the second story that brian spun had come out before they got to tori's second interview so they sort of did all of their interviews with brian and then brought Tori back in towards the end if not right after all of them they could probably pick up on who was going to be most willing to talk talk and who was going to stay tight-lipped so Tori was interviewed with his dad in the room with him and the police were like listen up buddy boy here's what we got and I mean what can you fucking do they had him you know mm-hmm. um they had him good they told him about Brian showing them all the info, the evidence, and all of the forensic testing that was happening. And within that evidence had a notebook. And in that notebook, there was a paper. And on that paper was a pencil of their kill list. Oh, God, they had a hit list? And Tori confirmed that, mm, yeah, that, that was my handwriting. Oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, wait, it gets better. This is, we're going to talk about the level of premeditation this is. It is depraved like there's no other like it is just fucking depraved Mm. so um also in all of that evidence that brian showed them 
they had all the normal stuff. You know what I mean? They had the black clothes. They had all the knives. They had gloves. But they also had a VHS tape. Okay. And we're going to talk about this VHS tape because that's where I'm going to start the trials. But this is the main piece of evidence that, in my opinion, sealed the deal. So both of these absolute fucking asshats were charged with first degree murder, which is awesome. Like less than a week after Cassie was found murdered, which is amazing police work. Truly, That's great. That's a great turnaround and that the family didn't need to. I don't know. With that unresolved. Yeah. For years like it can take. Um, They also were charged as an adult despite being 16. Woohoo. We love to hear it. And also each were given each were given separate court hearings as per the usual. But, you know, I realized recently we don't ever talk too much about the fact that they're separate trials a lot when there are two people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, naturally, I just wanted to remind you all that this was two separate cases. So I wanted to start with the trial evidence. Um, this is the evidence entered into both of the trials, not witnesses or anything like that. But the most important evidence, that VHS tape. First of all, I also wanted to say there was a... <clears throat> partially burned paper from that notebook everything was like partially burnt or melted do you want to know why Mm. this is very funny to me personally okay hit me they really tried to set it on fire they they really did um except these idiots used hydrogen peroxide as their accelerant (laughs) that's not an accelerant (laughs) at all so it's just like a melted bottle of hydrogen peroxide and some things that got a little crispy like that is so funny um i guess it would take blood out of clothes but like guys (laughs) oh anyway so the vhs tape has the big stuff it's shitty it's terrifying and i'm gonna talk about some of it but i'm gonna read you most of the bits and pieces i really struggle with the audio and i want you guys to hear this because i don't want to give these fuckers any ounce of extra ego they can possibly muster and i am genuinely afraid that one more view on any of their videos will do that the other thing here is this case while it is about bringing justice for cassie in terms of their punishment for this, it is not about them. It is not about them. And as silly and goofy and attention grabbing as like a scream inspired murder may be, an actual fucking girl died. And I don't want to just like, woohoo, this is so funny because they're idiots. And they are idiots. They really are. There are plenty of non word verbal communications that they did like how excited they get when they talk about certain things in these films and like the little glint in their eye that they get that you're like ooh, yeah okay um so we're just gonna go through some of what was on the tape and then we'll lead up to the night of because this is 2006 all of this was recorded on one vhs tape and it's all just like time and date stamped at Mm -hmm. different times and so It's stupid. It starts off with like the two of them and it's just different blurbs of them in life, like sitting and talking in classes and like giggling and writing in the library. And then maybe it's them like in the car and one of them's videotaping the other one talking and then themselves. And the things they talk about are so superfluous, uh, shallow, 
barely break the ice of anything, and yet they think they are so wise. It makes me gag a little bit. Um, One of them was like, we're so evil. And I think that was Tori. And Brian was like, no, evil's an expression of God, and God's not real, so we're not evil. And this okay. is, they fought about it for like 20 minutes. They were like, no, we are evil. It's like, no, that's about God. It's like, no, it's not about God. And it's like, well, we're bad then. And it's like, yeah, that sounds so shitty. <laughs> like, yeah, because it's shitty. Oh, my God. And then um, I'm sorry. I'm even giving them like more masculine voices than they have, which I don't know how to recreate their voices. So you can look that up if you want. <laughs> um, But also like. It's just they mix up their fucking serial killers. They're like, we're going to be like Ted Bundy, but worse. And then they're like, yeah, we're going to be like, like Ed Gein. And it's like. Not for nothing, both of them did heinous things, but like Ted Bundy killed at least 20 people Mm -hmm. and has more suspected. Ed Gein robbed a lot of graves. He did kill two people. That's not okay. He also made a nipple belt. And he made a nipple belt and he stole a lot of um, human flesh for interior design. And now listen, both are bad. But are they amateurs compared to you? And are they thinking that they, that as long as they can name as many serial killers as they can, that it just, it gives them street cred. They're the kind of people that if you were at the same lunch table, like you'd move to one end, like away from them. And they'd scoot over each seat that you moved over. But you'd be like, I would like to get away, but not make it super obvious that I'm trying to get away. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Also, these assholes, and I do giggle a little bit at this mostly because i am a true crime fanatic i want to know what happened to make these people do such awful things they were like i want to do these things but better very different um don't call ted bundy an amateur it's not a cute look i mean the man had knees of steel he escaped from prison twice he was a hardened fucking criminal he He's not an amateur to anyone, but certainly not to you, two 16-year-old boys riding around in a fucking old Honda Civic while you figure out what fucking stained sweatpants you're going to wear to kill a girl. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, they also fucked up a bunch of quotes from different serial killers. Like, they botched a quote and then they botched who it was from. <laughs> I love that. They'd be like, yeah, bind them, torture them, kill them. Like Richard Ramirez. Yeah. Live, laugh, laugh. (laughs) Like, come on. I think the one was, I think it was from Ed Kemper that they said was from Ed Gein and they botched the quote. And the quote, I think, is like, there are two parts of me and one wants to, sees a pretty girl and wants to take her out on a date and the other one wants to know what her head looks like on a stick. And they botched it so bad. It was like, you know, sometimes I see a girl and I'm like, I'd like to take her out and have a good time with her. And then other times I want to know what her head would look like on a plate. I'm like, you're saying this to a camera. Also, they've got like, like XOXO. Gossip BT, girl. BTK. BTK. <laughs> like none of that adds up. No. If you're going to talk about it. Oh, you're shit, man. Yes. And also, I think they called Ed Gein Edmund. Do you know? Do you not know their names? Yeah. No. Fucked up. They don't even know their names. They don't even know the stories. It's awful. And then they're like, yeah, they're they're amateurs. And then in part of this VHS, they're like, yeah, FBI agents watching this. It's too late. And they're just viewing this as they are 
top tier like she's one of many we're gonna start with her and then they've got their kill list to work through like they've and they've dove into this idea and they're running with it and they've the worst thing that happened was that they had each other to bounce it off of yes and listen i also want to make sure that it's known this vhs tape is so pertinent to showing the planning of this because this wasn't like the two of them passed notes and was like cassie at six it was like what do we want to do who do we want to kill how do we want to kill them and what are we going to do if certain things happen so like there's videos of them being like so we'll make a noise in the basement and then matt will hear it and matt will come investigate and then if matt tries to stick up for his girlfriend we'll kill matt and then once he's dead wow. we'll scare it'll scare cassie and then we'll kill cassie and like so they were going to kill their friend too it just matt if luck- it worked out matt lucked out to not be there yes wow and this is like cassie kind of tolerated them but they were matt's friends that's why cassie tolerated them right so what dicks in fact, even in the VHS tapes, they're like, sorry, Cassie's family. She just had to be the one. Oh, my God. They were like, um, we oh. all we're, we're about to kill our friend, but we all have to make sacrifices. They're, no, you don't. They're such shitbags. No, you don't. One of them was like, I know that murder is wrong, but murder is only wrong because it's illegal and it's only illegal because it's bad. And. I know that murder's wrong, but it shouldn't be illegal. Make it make sense. There's no fucking logic to that. Oh, my God. And I think it was Tori that was saying it. And Brian was like, natural selection, man. Natural. I'm like, that's also not natural selection. You are choosing for nature. That is the opposite of natural selection. Can't they just eat glass and be done with it? I would love it. Um, And then. (laughs) And this part actually does make me giggle a little bit because. They're like, you really can't restrict murder. It's just going to make people want it more. Sir. No, it makes you want it more, apparently. And then they're talking about, like, later on in this tape, how they're going to get all their evidence together, what they're going to do. And I think it's Brian. And Brian's like, I'm getting horny just thinking about it. Ooh. Yeah. This is this is what we're dealing with. It's like crusty socks, kids who don't know how to use deodorant, and also they're murdering people. Ugh. Can you imagine the stank? No. In their room? I fucking refuse. This. Can you imagine the things that they would have to scrape off of the walls <clears throat> in that room? I gotta go. I refuse. I've I've been there briefly in a few different places, but I refuse to truly think about it. Nope. Ugh. No, ma'am. But I think this is also a really good time to mention the differences between Brian and Tori. Because they get lumped together a lot. But as Brian will not let you ever fucking forget, he only knew Tori for a few weeks. They met the summer before this happened. That was weeks? Yes. No. Yes. What they say, hey, this is my name and uh, this is where I live and um, I want to kill people. Do you? Yeah. That's like their cute little icebreaker. Um, Because if you remember, Brian was from Utah. Right. He didn't come until junior year. So they must have moved over the summer and that's when he met. Tori. And then this happened in the first few weeks of school. Yep. September 22nd. Oh my God. And so here are the differences because like I said earlier, only one of them was obsessed with Scream. And that was Tori. Tori loved the Scream movies. Tori was like, they're cinematic and they're meta and they're witty and they're cool. And like, 
they do sound hysterically bad every time they try to sound like that in their tapes. But you can tell that's what they're trying to do. Right. They're like, keep it classy camera. Bye. Oh, my God. And it's like, keep murder classy. Okay. Um, (laughs) But the thing is, Brian didn't want it to be like Scream. See, what we didn't mention before is that it came out. Well, there was a partially corroborated rumor that came out. And I'll tell you what part is corroborated um, in a moment. But I want you to hear this because it's jarring. The reason that Brian allegedly left Utah is that he had threatened to shoot up his school in middle school. Oh, my God. And they had to move. Or he had threatened to shoot up his middle school. I don't know if he was in middle school. Okay. Um, and then the part of that that was corroborated in his trial was someone, it was like a psychologist or maybe a guidance counselor uh, from his middle school saying that he had been, in fact, depressed and violent since at least seventh grade. Okay. So we'll find out this whole happy-go-lucky before Tory thing is complete bullshit. But what makes me not doubt that rumor at all is that Brian was obsessed with with the Columbine shooters. I was going to say that this sounded like he that. was enamored. Like to the him, joking on camera yep. in the videos they had, like Eric was the mastermind, like more, um, I don't know, I guess Malicious just, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, they both were, but like Dylan was depressed first. Yes. Violent second. And I think Eric was violent first, depressed second, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And the two made a horrible combination. Right. And so it's very similar to that. Brian was obsessed. To Brian, Eric and Dylan were like the antiheroes of every kid who was picked on at school. And Brian, if you can remember and even, even sort of slightly imagine, was of course picked on in high school. And... Brian wanted this like out with a bang, not with a fizzle thing. And Tori really wanted it to be like a beautiful cinematic masterpiece. Like, here's our grand plan. And this is us doing it. And so they compromised and went with the one that was more doable, which is apparently recording it all on a VHS tape. So they've actually recorded the murder. No. Okay. But just the planning. It's all very vlog style. Um, Jesus. They get into the car and this is. A great question, actually, to pick us up where our trials take more of an interest in these tapes. Obviously, this is all used to, like, prove the culpability and the fact that these two didn't just, like, mean to scare her, you know? But... You don't accidentally try to scare somebody 30 times. Not with okay. a knife in their body. But okay. Um, so... Before the murder, they have their little thing and they're like, oh, my gosh, we're going to go in. We're we're going into Cassie's house. And then I do just want to say something that really pissed me off about this is that they and it shouldn't piss me off. In fact, it should be a little bit comforting because maybe it shows how lackluster their thought process is. But they were like, you mean you're a girl in a big house alone in the woods? How perfect can you get? And I'm like, she is a person. She is a human. She's kind to you. Other people aren't kind to you. She's one of the few people that's been nice to them. And, and that's what they do? Yeah. And okay. 
one of the podcasts I listened to, I think it was Crime After Crime. It cracked me up. They were like, yeah, Matt probably had that feeling of like, if someone's going to shoot up a school, it might be them. And you might want to be the kid that was nice to them. Oh, like and if I, you saw them yeah. come in with trench coats, you fucking turn around and go the other way because there's just certain people that you're like, mm, they've got a look on their face and I know them to just be a little off. And it, it made me giggle because I was like, yeah, I've definitely been intentionally nice to people that make me uncomfortable before mm-hmm. for that reason where I'm like, mm, I'd like to be passed up. Thank you very much. I hope you have a great day, sir. Thank you. Oh, you know. um, And so like. I thought that was funny, but they have this little vlog and they're like, we're going to do it. And then they pop out in between. So they say they're going to go to the movies, right? They don't go to the movies. They drive like six minutes down the road and they change into their costumes. Again, they're all black. You might consider if you're going to say you're going to the movies and that is going to be your entire alibi alibi, that you might actually fucking go to the movies or look it up. Be able to answer some general questions about the movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe swing in, take a look of, oh, there were about this many people. I don't want to like yeah. give anyone ideas on how to do this, but you know what I mean. Yes. there's. I was thinking the same thing because they were like, can you produce a ticket? Can you say who gave to you? I was like, why wouldn't you just go follow through the motions of what you say you're doing Buy the ticket? Be like, it was a woman. It's about this time. I'll go into this thing. Slip out the emergency exit and then again, not giving anyone ideas. I'm just saying that it's not hard to not be this dumb. They were (laughs) so obsessed with themselves and so convinced that they were invincible. And I'm glad. Don't get me wrong. I'm so happy they are as unintelligent (laughs) as they are, really, because Cassie might not have been the only victim. She shouldn't have even been a victim. But well, and that's why I keep saying bless up. They're so dumb, but they're so dumb. But bless up, you know, like, no, thank thank God. Seriously. But it's in it's like it's painstaking to watch. Like I think I've lost brain cells watching them through this research. But hmm. so they come back, they have their little vlog and they're like, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to go in. We're in our like we're in our costumes. We're going to do it. I'm so excited. And they're like running. And then about that time is when Matt calls Tori and he's whispering because he's in the movies, but he's not really in the movies. He's in their basement and he's whispering so they can't hear him. And he's like, okay, cool. Your mom's coming. See you later. And then they hear Matt leave. Oh, my God. They turn off the power again. And I guess initially they started breaking shit, hoping that Cassie would come investigate. Because they wanted to kill her downstairs. They wanted her to be terrified. But like either she didn't hear it or like me would very willfully ignore that shit to not have to go look at it. I will convince myself that there is something else going on and that it does not need my attention right now. Your shattering ashtrays must be the common downstairs meteor shower that we get around this time. You know how you know how cats are when things are on the counter. They just (laughs) swipe them on off and then do it again and again and again. And if I give it attention, then the cat's going to think that that's a good thing. Yeah, and then they're going to think that it's rewarded, and I don't want to do that to my aunt and uncle. Look at it. Don't worry. Correct. (laughs) Um. So I think she probably didn't hear it because if it was me, I would have yeeted the fuck out of there, and I'm pretty sure she would have too. Matt wasn't that far behind. It's not like she couldn't have been like, "Hey, can you actually swing around?" Right. Um. So my thought is that she probably didn't, but they tried 
and that failed. And then they did their slow drone stomp up the stairs, which is honestly probably the scariest part of all of this, if not for the actual life-threatening, life-ending consequences to their actions. Um, and then they got out, and they have their little vlog. And this is important for the cases because Brian takes the camera, and Brian goes, <clears throat> I just killed Cassie. We just left her house. This is not a fucking joke. I stabbed her in the throat and I saw her lifeless body just disappear. Dude, I just killed Cassie. Like, he's excited. Serious? Yes, I am. I'm serious. I'm not joking. Oh my God. And then he's like, it felt like it wasn't even real. I mean, that just went by so fast. And Tori, for the first time in his ever fucking life, speaks up in like an actual confident sounding voice and is like, shut the fuck up. We need to get our act straight. So this was Brian all excited. Yes. On the tape. Mm -hmm. Even though he's the one saying that Tori had done it. I only stabbed her like once because he made me. Correct. Okay. Yes. Eat shit, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, If you could. Uh, (laughs) So that was a lot of the VHS tapes. You can see them. Like I said, when I talked about the first source that I linked, I made sure it was the first one. It had a bunch of the video from their VHS tape as well as the 911 call. And that was also from Explore With Us, but it was like a supplemental thing to their three-hour documentary. So that might be good to go watch if you're interested to get a little bit deeper into it. But oh my God, I hate them. I just hate them. That went so fast. You murdered- It's not fucking Disneyland. You murdered a child. You are also a child, but she is sixty. She is a, she is a baby, and she was kind enough to uh, include you. Yeah, in her plans. Yeah, and you got her back by saying, "Wow, what a great opportunity! Someone's home alone. This will be a good practice run for us." Sorry, Cassie's family. We all have to make sacrifices. Fuck you. Sincerely, I'm just so Truly. glad they didn't reproduce. So the trial, as is always the case in this murder duo trial. Both pointed the finger at each other. As they always do. Tori used the video evidence that Brian was the only one who killed Cassie since in the video, Tori never said he did it. And Brian only said, I, I just killed Cassie. I did this. Mm. Not we. Um, and Tori was quickly sentenced to life without parole, which is good because the rest of the video had all of him being like, and I'll write that down and I'll write this down. And yeah, they're probably a good one to kill. And Maybe we'll go see this other girl's house, but she wasn't alone, so never mind. Oh, my God. Um, And Brian's case went similarly, uh, and he tried to argue that his fourth interview when he nodded about stabbing Cassie to get Tori off his back was inadmissible because he decided he didn't want to do it after that and wanted his mommy and daddy, Um, except that that is obviously not how interviews work. So it was still out in court. <laughs> you don't get to like retroactively be like, like, actually strike everything I've just said because I wish I didn't say it. Yeah, that's not how that works. That's just regret. Like at first I was having FOMO and <laughs> I wanted to be here. And now I'm like, ooh, I want to go home. And so this is also where that character witness came in to talk about how Brian was both depressed and violent since at least seventh grade. Um. And after all of this, Brian was also found guilty and got another LWAP. We love an LWAP in we this situation. We love an LWAP. Um, but here's the aftermath because please don't cheer yet. Please don't. I beg you. Um, it's obviously not over because how could it be? 
Why would we ever, ever actually hold two people accountable for things? Why? What What the fuck? Um, because they killed a 16-year-old and we actually did. But it had a little bit of a moment here. Okay. So thank God. But um, the two dubious dumb and dumbers have both appealed a number of times to no avail. Of course they have. But the Supreme Court has ruled that it is unconstitutional to give juveniles an LWAP without oh, another hearing to determine their sentencing. right. Uh, there's new criteria to meet. Yep. Except these bitches both were so fucking depraved they were automatically put in the exemption. Good. So they are still, their cases will still be looked into, but I'm pretty sure at the bottom of the fucking list. And anytime the idea of any sort of relief comes out of that they're like actually you still fit the definition for the exemption which i believe has something to do with how violent or serious the crime was but also with any amount of like regret or self-loathing or actually feeling bad about it well and because what that supreme court ruling was saying was that a child can't Mm -hmm. be sentenced to life without parole given their age Right. But if you are able to prove that their age didn't matter in the commission of the crime and that they still knowingly, intentionally did that with very little, like, I don't know, feeling bad. Like, they didn't they didn't really feel bad about it later. There wasn't yeah. a whole lot of pity or remorse or anything like that. Yeah. And if you're able to articulate that, usually you're they're able to make that culpable. sentence stand because because it still fucking applies yep and you have to know you know we always talk about culpability right if you know that what you did was right if you knew that it was wrong and with kids that gets blurry because they're learning Mm -hmm. and we have all seen child psychology progress and understand more about that now than we ever have i mean your brain is not fully developed until 25 just period but i think it is worth knowing that in order to know it's wrong, you have to know that murder is wrong. And even in that one fucking VHS tape, they were like, well, I know it's wrong, but it's just not. <laughs> They're literally saying, like, yes. I know it's wrong, but I still want to. Yeah. Come on. Seriously. And they literally, they were like, but I want to do Columbine, but I want to do Scream. And it was like when you play Barbies and you can't figure out which one's the main girl, you know? Mm. Anyway. um, So... Out of all of this, I do want to make sure that it is known that Brian and Tori have also both appeared in a documentary called Lost for Life. It is a documentary about juveniles who are given LWAPs. Um, And I think it covers some of that process of the new Supreme Court passing coming out. Mm. But it does have some interesting interviews with these two. And I'll tell you why. Tori does actually seem to have some remorse. How true it is, I, I don't know. He's slimy and skeevy, and I don't really appreciate it. And much like the Grinch, I wouldn't touch him with a 49 and a half foot pole, you know. <laughs> um, but I also know that since I've heard that VHS tape and I heard him say, we have to get our act straight after being this meek and mild and like squeaky, whiny kid, it's really hard for me to believe that anything he's saying is not crafted that it's not being manipulatable because he does need that to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, I hope, I really fucking hope he is. I hope that's true. But I don't buy it yet. And, and even if it is, oh well, Cassie got a life sentence. Yep. And you decided that. 
at 16. And you had a plan to kill other people. This was not an act of self-defense. You felt inspired by something. You plotted. You planned. You put together a scheme. You would have killed one of the only other people that was nice to you had he decided if he had been there and didn't let you kill his girlfriend. Like, absolutely not. Go fuck yourself. Eat shit for the rest of your life. If you could, sprinkle some glass on top. Thanks. Like, that's it. I'm sorry. That's what you chose to do with your time here. We've all got finite time. You took hers away. That's where you spend yours. Yep. Okay. There we go. Um, so yeah, that's a red flag in this scenario, obviously. But Brian hasn't even gotten that far. Which is saying a fucking lot. Mm. Um, I he's putrid. Putrid. I I view Brian as like like you know Rico from Hannah Montana. <laughs> Yeah. It's like if Rico got mixed with the Hulk and then they added in like a little extra homicide and a little less social skills. Okay. A lot of less social skills. I Okay. Yeah. I got it. Not a fan. All right. He's rancid. Um, but he has spent every single fucking moment that he could appealing, saying that he didn't do it, that he was totally innocent. And at first, this made me like sick to my stomach like it curdled my stomach and then I heard his parents speak and it got worse (laughs) (laughs) I was like you know what you guys should also be in there with him shouldn't you Um, because they're in this fucking um, documentary this lost for life documentary and they're interviewing and they're like okay well what have you learned like you know what has this experience been like and he's like well I made some mistakes I could learn from and his parents were like, well, the only mistake you made was being friends with that kid because you're innocent, right? Mm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And like at some point you can you can see him just like give up trying to talk about it. And that does suck to see, you know, because maybe he did learn something. Maybe he could have shared, but uh, he clearly didn't feel comfortable being able to say that in front of them. In fact, to the point that his mom wrote a fucking book on this. Okay. Called The Innocent Guilty. Um, or The Guilty Innocent. One of the two. And I'm like, can you just fuck off for one moment? Your son, if let's pretend it's a unicorn shitting rainbows world for a second. And he didn't actually do anything to Cassie. And he was just there. He was still on that videotape that entire fucking time talking about it. He could have prevented it. Could have prevented it. Could have told someone about it. Could have said something other than anything along the lines of, I'm so horny thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he could have just not fucking killed someone. And now you're going to take that. And because you're boohoo sad that your son is in prison because he did something fucking depraved, you're going to write a book about it and try to profit off of this shit? I was just going to say, she just found a little, she like wedged her way in there to try to get her 15 minutes. To profit off of her son murdering someone else's child. I'm not kidding you. When I almost took a section from that book from Matt's test, like interrogation to use, noticed where it was from and said, off you fuck. I will not. Mm -hmm. I don't trust her. I don't like her. Nope. I don't know how you stand by your kid and think that does anything good for them. Nope. Or anyone else for that matter. No, she's in complete denial. It's and disgusting. she's slimy. And even if she's not in denial, I'm convinced that she would sucker punch him in the face to keep him quiet so that she doesn't lose the money of being a sad mommy 
of a wronged baby boy. Mm-hmm. That is a very specific niche, but it can make you a lot of money. And I think it probably has. And we don't give a Dimsdale dimadam. Not a Dimsdale dimadam for your fucking sob story. Your son killed someone. Mm-hmm. So after all of that, um, I wanted to enter with quick rant, Abby. Ooh, it's a very quick rant. Um, I don't do this too much, but welcome to Rant Corner with Abby. I'll try to keep this short, but since it pertains a lot to what we're talking about, I think it's worth throwing in to let you know where I'm at. Um, This may be unpopular, but please stick with me to hear what I'm saying. This should define these boys. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of times in the criminal justice system, specifically public defenders, but a lot of attorneys say things like, we are not defined by the worst thing that we've ever done. And generally, I agree to that. Our entire being and worth is not dependent on those actions that we regret the most. But make no mistake, they should define us. Because the way we move forward, the way we move out and decide to act in these moments, that is us. And history does not care what you're thinking. History does not give a fuck what your intention is. It cares about the actions that were done. And so I frankly don't give a fuck Who thought who was doing what? They murdered a girl. And actions matter. What's been done matters. You can't erase it because only God can judge you. If you believe in God or if you don't, your actions have consequences, both good and bad. And if you do something terrible, as a hypothetical, let's say you steal a wealthy lady's purse. That's not a good action. That action is seemingly morally corrupt. So let's say you get caught and you're given two to five in a small, low-level prison, right? Right. Uh, You can use that to propel forward. You can say, hey, you know what? That wasn't right. Let's figure this out and spend some time actually fucking digging deep inward to figure out not only why you did that, but how you cannot do it again and how you, I don't know, make it up to the old lady whose purse you stole. Um, The other thing you could do is steal it and go, oh shit, and give it back before it gets that far. And if we're really getting like advanced with thinking things through, you could just not fucking steal it. All of these are better options than what either of these two dipshits have done with their prison time, what either of them did with the worst thing they did in their life, and they should absolutely be fucking defined by this. I don't think they should be let out. I... Do not agree that we, let me put it this way. No, we are not our worst mistake. I don't believe that we should be defined by our worst mistake or our worst day or series of things. But this is different in this case because this was a series of planning, devising, looking for inspiration, viewing some of the most depraved and despicable people out there as heroes and as idols and as celebrities and people to model and that is your character yeah those those are things that isn't just you got in a fight with somebody and i don't know maybe out of rage or something like that you guys hit each other and one good punch knocked him out and it would they hit their head you know what i mean where like you can see where things can escalate from oh this was a very like small i've made a mistake here a misjudgment to oh my god someone's dead you can see how that weeks of premeditation this was so much planning 
and boasting about mm-hmm. that planning and feeling like literally nutted in his pants so excited yep. about the the thought of getting to do these things. And so that is your character. Those are the things, those are your values, those are your morals, that was your ethical code. This was how you chose to carry yourself. This was how you chose to treat other people. That most certainly defined you. Yep. And I... You know, I am so incredibly grateful for the people that I have around me. Um, I'm a huge advocate for rehabilitation and accurate punishment and deterrence. And I got a mix of it from all the people I love. Allie always encourages me to seek justice. My mom has always encouraged me to seek accurate consequences, both good and bad. Um, Read that time. She didn't let my brother use the couch because he kept flopping on it or the time that I got ice cream for working hard on a test. No <laughs> offense, Sean. It was just the best example I could come up with. Love you. Um, <laughs> and I have always believed in people's ability to live and learn and grow. But I also believe that we have a duty to keep people from acting out whenever we can. Because justice in a crime is still an unjust situation. Someone's fucking dead. Actually, not someone. Cassie Jo Stoddart is fucking dead. Because of these two imbeciles. And if these two bumbling fucking buffoons get out, I will literally lose it. (laughs) But I will just say, I don't mind giving youth a second chance. Fuck it. 10 out of 11 times. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But these two, mm -mm. I talk about psychology a lot. And again, that brain is not fully developed until your mid-20s. It's a process. And for this, I don't mind in the slightest advocating for children who made poor choices, who grew, who lived, who learned and adjusted or had a shitty childhood and did what they were taught and then learned it was wrong, you know? But that's not these guys. It, it just really isn't. I, I can't get behind it. And I think you all know that I am the unicorn shitting rainbows of the two of us. And I would fucking love to say that I wish they could get out, but I can't. <laughs> I would move to another country. It is... It's really awful, especially where you and I share the view that we believe that people have the ability to change, Yeah, but it takes work on their part. And you have to want it, right? You have to want to change to change because nothing's going to change unless you change it. Yep. Nothing changes if nothing changes. The only thing that you have control over is yourself. And so they made those decisions those decisions had consequences of those consequences somebody died yep that and- that can't be lost on any one of us and while i believe that everyone i won't even say everyone nine out of ten times most of the time the vast majority of the time i agree with giving a second chance yep. and that you can work to try to make things right and do right but there are some that you absolutely cannot do that with and it's very naive and frustrating to hear i don't know advocacy on the other side which is just complete i don't know cruelty here's the thing i think what bothers me the most about this and i i struggle right we've talked about this before if you're the victim of a crime the offender goes or what what was the quote when we talked about Girl Scout murders. Yeah. One what of, was the quote from the Girl Scout murders? Yeah. The Girl Scout murders. One of their dads said that if someone beats you up, that person goes to prison and they have free health care. But the victim has to pay to go to the hospital to get 
right. treatment for them being beat up. And then in the best case scenario, the court might issue restitution. And then in the best case scenario of that, that person might pay that restitution maybe before they die. Maybe. 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 And so when it comes to stuff like this, I don't want you guys to just think about the ways that it could or could not continue to impact Cassie because it will continue continue to impact her family. Mm-hmm. Her 13-year-old her 13-year-old cousin who walked in on her later attempted to take her own life. Oh. I believe she did not complete, which is amazing. But it was incredibly difficult. Her aunt actually I think lost her job over this. I don't know if she quit or if she just couldn't keep up, but she was just in such grief she couldn't do it. They tried to sell that house for years years they you can't live in that you can't walk down to get breakfast and see the blood splot from your niece and be like mm-hmm, gonna be a great wednesday and very few people are willing to purchase that house mm-hmm. because of that luckily it has now sold but it took over a decade for them to get it to sell oh wow um and then lastly i don't know let's not pretend that these guys didn't want to do a lot of it Oh, they wanted every piece of that. The only thing they're upset about is that they got caught. Yep. And now Boohoo, um, mommy's mad at me. And also, I can't do it again. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you that they will be excellent prisoners, that they will be excellent inmates. Oh, probably. That they will follow the rules and they will do all the programming that is asked of them. And they will say, yes, sir, and no, ma'am. And they will do all of the things that they need to. And that when they go before the hearings, that they will be very respectful and put together and well-spoken. And they will do all of the things that they need to do because the people that they'd like to hurt are not in there with them. Yep. And it's so easy to not have temptation when there's nothing to tempt you. If I'm addicted to chocolate, and I'll, I'll say Reese's, Reese's as the example, but I will say that Reese's were a lot better in my childhood. I don't know what they changed, but it's not oh, the same. Shit. But let's okay. just say that <laughs> I still love Reese's as much as I did when I was a kid and that they made they brought it back. They made it the way yeah. they did when I was 10. Okay? I'm telling you, it is different now. I don't know what it is. I believe you. I blame Reese's, not myself. Okay. So <laughs> let's just say, right? Yes. That I've got an issue with that. Yep. And then I'm stuck in my house and there are zero Reese's to be found. I mean, I have looked in every place. I might have hidden them at one time. Yep. You even ate that one four-year-old one from Halloween that you forgot about. Like it had turned white and I shouldn't have done it and I did. Yeah. They're all gone. Yeah. If in 30 days you come to me and congratulate me that I haven't eaten Reese's and that I deserve to be rewarded for that, that is not it. I I did not show (laughs) self-control. I did not show increased uh, impulse, impulse, impulse control. Yep. I did not show increased impulse control. I did not show any of those things. It was not available to me. Therefore, I could not have them. That is the difference. It was a deficit in the fucking market. (laughs) Like, Like, there was no product available. It is not that I had the willpower not to do it or that I made an active choice not to someone didn't put a Reese's in front of you and say don't don't sit don't drop it drop it I saw that don't run away from me yep not one of those none of that oh my god you didn't when someone (laughs) is in prison and their victim type is not in there with them yeah it is very 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 easy for them to be upstanding inmates Ain't it? Dot all the I's and cross all the T's. And that 
is also really infuriating. It's incredibly difficult. And honestly, I think one of the most frustrating parts for me of this case is there's not really a good wrap up. Uh, everything fucking sucks. Cassie's dead. I haven't heard much from Matt, so I'm hoping that means that he has a very good life where he was able to put this behind him. Anytime I look him up, all I get is Matt Beckham as the IMDb page for a movie that they made about it. Mm. Um, or an actor. I'm not sure. It looks like he had more credits than just that. So maybe it was an actor's name. But can't find anything on him. I intentionally did not look too much into Cassie's younger cousin. I feel like she deserves to have her space and privacy. But Cassie's aunt and uncle, I think they're just trying to live through grief. Mm. These two fucking idiots are in prison and that's it i hope they stay there yeah i hope they rot i hope that they get a super exciting beach day and that they come home and there's so much sand up their fucking wet damp prison underwear that they get so many rashes no amount of baby powder can solve them you want them to get a beach day i want well I'd rather them trip and fall outside and there's sand there and it gets stuck up their ass crack that way. Okay, I don't mind that. Okay. That's fine. I like Fucking that. Get, let them swim? Hell no. <laughs> uh-uh. Well, ideally the beach day they'd still be in chains. But, <laughs> <laughs> but to, to wish that on other people and then to inflict that on other people and then to have had a plan to do this again. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's that, Those are your three strikes. I don't make the rules. I just play by them. And also, obviously, this was needless and this was horrendous. But what really gets me about the murder of Cassie Jo Stoddart is that someone as beautiful as Cassie, both inside and out, was traded so that these fucking vlog scream Columbine wannabes could get like a half chub for like three minutes. Like she was going places. She had stuff. She wanted to go to school. She wanted a career. She wanted to be a grown up. She wanted to do the things and make the impact that she could once she did all those things. And the circumstances around how they even had access to her were just so like slim. It was yes. It was her family happened to go away. They happened to ask her there. She happened to get permission Yes. To have him there. He happened to get permission. Matt yes. had permission to be there. He mentioned like all like it was like 20 things had to fall into place exactly as they did for this to happen. Yes. And they just took advantage of a girl they knew they'd be that would be home alone that they knew was a sweet girl who probably never got in a scrappy fight at all in her life. Right. Wouldn't know what to do in the face of one. Was curled up and probably freaked out a little bit by like watching Kill Bill. And they yes. were like, ooh, like she's easily spooked. This will be easy. And then they were like, oh, yeah. And if her boyfriend tries to protect her, we'll just kill him, too. That'll and then we'll her. spend the entire next day with the freaking out boyfriend of the girl we just killed that he doesn't know is dead yet. Yep. Isn't that fun? So evil. I hate it. Um, but that is the horrendous murder of Cassie Joe Stoddart from the two Scream fanatics. Um yeah, I don't know. I hope Pepsi is really rampant wherever they're at. So I just hope that they catch every kind of um, sickness, illness, disease. I hope they are in pain. Um, and you know what? I will say this genuinely. Um, I hope I'm wrong about Tori. I do. I hope that he is truly remorseful and he recognizes what happened. 
in some of the interviews, it does sound like he could be there, but I just don't trust it. He's and I'd love a lot to of see time him. to practice. Exactly. I'd love to see him act on that. If he means it, do something. I don't know what you can do, but you got a lot of time to think. So do something. You get a hell of a lot more time to think about it than we do. So why yep. don't you work on that, bud? So thank you all for sitting in this with us. We know it's a lot, but I thought it was a particularly good spooky season kickoff. It was, if my math is correct, 17 years and four days ago today. And, you know, I don't know, spend a little extra time with your fam. Give them some kisses. Maybe watch a Kill Bill and memory and... Maybe give your, your puppies and your kitties all kinds of snugs. And if they're acting a little, a little weird at a door, maybe check it out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Just take care of yourselves. Trust your gut. Trust your instincts. We love you all. We would love to see you in our Instagram so that you could check out how beautiful Cassie was and how much of a fucking derp these two asshats were. And also, you would be able to see our Instagram highlights. So that would include all of our resources in case... This made your brain a little bit sad like mine. Um, there's also resources for anything you could possibly want up there. There's reprieves to give you a little giggle if you need that levity. And you could also see all of the people, places, things, and pod pets. You could also send us a little DM. Uh, tell us what you think, what you like. You could also do that in a five-star rating below, which would be pretty sick. Thank you. Um, if you feel like it. We do read every comment that we get. We read every review and we love them so much and we love you all so much. But if you wanted to send us something a little bit longer, you could do that via email. Allie, where would they send that to? So if you wanted to send us an email, you would send that to about time, the number four, TC at gmail.com. So that's A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E, numeric four, TC at gmail.com. And if any of these sound really long to you, and you're like, oh, I can't remember that. I don't have my pen on me. Well, then you can just look in the description box. We promise that it's there. Every time, baby, just for you. Um, We loved getting to hang out with you. We hope you continue to do so. And we will see you next time. So if I do look at my clock, that was about time for true crime. Bye. Later.